Welcome to Dreaming Back to the Earth, a podcast dedicated to exploring the concept that our dreams and their wisdom are a path to our soul-rooted relationship to self and the earth. During these podcasts, we will share our unique experiences, perspectives, and practices that foster an understanding of how each dream speaks to awakening and guiding us on a personal and ecological level. My name is Mary Kay Casper, and I co-host with Katrina Dreamer. You want to say hi, Katrina? Hi. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about a really critical um, emotional response to what's happening with the ecological crisis on the earth. Um, and, and I wanted to just for myself, you know, how do you start a conversation like that? And for me, it's about what uh, what is ecological grief for me and what is grief in a sense? And I've gone through a lot of that with some loss of family members in the last few years. So it's really um, I connect to it deeply. And so for me, grief is not the experience of the loss itself, but the realization of the loss. Because what it does is access the love and depth, the depth of connection that we have to a person or place or being. So for me, it's like, it's because when my sister died, it was because I loved her so much and had a connection to her that the grief for me, that the sadness was so powerful. Um, And I also believe that to feel grief, to feel sadness is an indication of being awake, you know, to the world, to others. Um, And so for me, you know, ecological grief means that I am feeling that connection of loss to what is happening on the natural world. I mean, as a Druid um, and a rite of cash guide, I, I really feel a deep connection and love for the world around me and all the beings that are a part of this organic um, living, breathing planet. And, you know, all the extinctions and destructions and what I consider misuse of, of the land and death of plants and animals and, um, and all that is happening. I feel this deep connection and also this deep sadness about what is happening. Um, And I also wonder if, and there's been some research that individuals who are experiencing a great deal of grief and depression now might be told that it's about their personal lives. But I also believe that um, unconsciously we're not realizing that the deep trauma that is affecting depression and grief um, is related to the land and what's happening in the land. So, and it's a huge emotional toll that's, that's not only affecting individuals on a mental health basis, but it's also affecting our health, physical health and spiritual health. Um, I wonder, you know, for you, Katrina, how, what, how do you define ecological grief? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking you started with you know, how you think about grief overall. And I think for me, in my life, with the experiences that I've had, I've gone through several experiences of losing community and losing relationship. And so grief for me uh, tends to bring those things up initially right uh i've i've definitely lost people close to me to death but i've also been through two divorces and also another breakup of a big relationship before that and so because when i because when i think of grief i think of relationship what comes up for me around ecological grief is the loss of the relationship to the land yep 
in the way that I might have had as a kid uh, before. You know, I'm somebody who has been alive for most of the time that Earth Day has been a thing. So like Mm -hmm. this kind of consciousness Mm -hmm. around, you know, save the Earth is what we used to say, you know, uh, has been around for my whole lifetime. And Mm -hmm. from a very young age, I've been somebody who's been aware of you know it used to be global warming now we call it, then climate change now it's climate crisis right you were you were saying at the beginning of the of the podcast you know ecological crisis that's where we are and uh so already in the you know four decades that i've been alive my relationship has changed um and somewhat that's around what the temperatures are doing but because of what the temperatures are doing different things are happening to the land um so like people are experiencing more reactions to pollen now because and pollen season lasts much longer for people that's just like one tiny example or maybe there was uh you know a bird that used to live where you live and now it only comes around for a tiny window or something like that because the the oh I'm the migration patterns are changing right so yeah it always comes back to relationship for me and you know it's made me think about what would be the right word I know that there is a word, but my brain is not pulling up words so easily these days. I mean, I'm thinking about environmental racism and how particular communities are more impacted, you know, more marginalized communities are more impacted by what corporations and the military are doing to the climate. And what does that mean for those communities' relationship to the land? And it's especially relevant because, you know, communities of color were more connected to the land more recently than white people were. (laughs) So it's like they're bearing the brunt of what we're doing and they were the most connected most recently and and you know white culture was part of what tried to wipe that out you know i mean it's it's so you, you can't pull apart the threads they're so tightly interwoven and so yeah relationship relationship is what it's about for me and so it makes me wonder what different kinds of experiences of ecological grief do different communities have um and it also you know i want to go back to what you were saying before about feeling like oh again i lost my thread mary case <laughs> i think this is going to be the theme of this podcast that i'm losing my words um I don't know if I even talked about this on the podcast, but I had a concussion in March. And so it's been a little bit harder for me to keep my train of thought. Sometimes I will come back to this because I know it's in there somewhere, but um, just to wrap up, I think relationship is the word that, that sticks with me around all of this. I appreciate that. You know, and I, I, I honor what's going on with you too. I mean, it's like, and it's okay, you know, like, yeah, we'll make yeah, this yeah. work, you know, we'll make whatever it work. way they play, whatever. <laughs> but I, you know, like what you're saying about um, communities of color, um, I, I think about indigenous communities like the Induit, who their land, you know, the, 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 um, the continents are warming up and therefore you know, the ice is going away and many, and I would say probably all indigenous cultures, um, their mental health is connected to the land, 
you know, so if you're living through the seasons, if you're hunting and, you know, um, harvesting, you know, planting and harvesting based on the seasons and you're doing ritual and you're, you know, like you're connect, you have that relationship to the land and then the land is changing and the weather patterns are changing and the season patterns are changing. How, how that affects even more deeply than a white person or a non-Indigenous person, um, their mental health and their physical self, I mean, is phenomenal. I mean, and there there is also, you know, like there's a lot of research that's talking about this. Um, and so those people in power on a on a larger scale, governments that have conflict over how they need to address the changes. Most of, well, I would say maybe half are white, you know, in on this planet, you know, are impacting those communities that don't have a voice and impacting them more. Um, and that also affects creating grief for those of us who feel connected in some way. You know, I get so angry about the lack of um, response that the government has towards making changes that we know we're all going to lose something around, but also gain something around. Um, and, you know, we can have another podcast about how did we even get to this place you know, consumerism and technology and everybody wants more and more and more and that we're not willing to give that up, thinking that that's going to help our mental health. But in reality, it's not, you know. So, I mean, that's more, you know, um, taking us away from the, the realm of working with our dreams. But I just want to make the point that there's a lot of um, reasons why we're at this place now and that we didn't have to be. Um, and the effect that that is that occurs on communities that have no way of speaking and, and being heard. So for me, I, I think it's important what you brought up in environmental racism and, um, and how indigenous communities are being affected by, by what's changing on the land. Um, even having to those islands that are in the middle of, you know, that are in the ocean where people have to be really relocated, your home, you have to leave your home. And there's going to be a lot of, I mean, talk about grief of loss of sanctuary and home. That's a, another podcast. Um, the amount of trauma that is going to be, that is occurring around that is, and grief, the depth of grief, um, environmental refugees. Uh, that's what I call them. So, um, yeah, I really connect with all of that. Um, so there's so much more that could be said about all of this. And I, I wonder for you how, um, how we can be with our dreams and how our dreams like um, manifest what is happening on a waking life level, um, because I know they are. Um, how do you see that playing out for you? Well, one thing I was thinking about more for the collective than myself, but of course it's happening to me too, is that, you know, this, this grief that we're all experiencing, whether we're cognizant of it or not, is a constant like background. It's just there. Um, I think people right. mostly notice it when like, okay, perfect example today in Colorado it's 66 degrees wow it's December 6th wow it does not need to be 66 degrees and of course you know in some ways people are like wow it's such a beautiful day it's so nice to be outside and there is something insidious underneath that that's like this is not okay this is not supposed to be happening we're supposed to be moving into like deep freeze time in Colorado and uh, plants are confused, birds are confused. Um, so it's a constant background and we may only notice it when there's a day like this, or maybe when there's wildfires that are, you know, going out of control or 
you know, a more powerful hurricane, hurricane than we've seen, or like the flooding in Vermont this summer. And so I think probably what happens is that one way that we are being shown what's going on and, and pushing it from the background into the foreground is dreams. And this could look like a very obvious dream about a hurricane, about a flood, about uh, you know, any kind of like more extreme weather, which we're going to be experiencing more and more of, or maybe dreaming about drought or any of those things. But it may also be in ways that are more subtle. So I think one thing that would be uh, relevant to say here is, of course, you could work any dream about climate, weather, the planet as a ecological grief dream but also to be thinking about that theme with other dreams to see if there's something there you know that is more metaphorical and not so obvious because i think you know it would be important for people to be thinking about that as a way to help them move through the times that are inevitably coming i mean I just saw something yesterday that said we have seven years left until the tipping point in terms of the temperature, you know, raising the temperature um, to a, a catastrophic level, you know, like we, we we're, we're just like barreling toward it. And I don't see that our governments are going to do anything about it, even with, you know, as much protesting and all of that that's going on, like the there's just too much consolidation of power among people who care more about other things than than that kind of devastation happening so we're all all of us who are here now are going to be dealing with that and you know i think similar to what i'm seeing around the pandemic where a lot of people want to just like pretend that it's not happening anymore i think and part of that is because of grief. Part of that is because of grief. Right. Uh, right. We've all been through a very difficult time since, you know, the beginning of 2020. And there are multitudes of ways of dealing with that. And a lot of people don't want to see it and don't want to deal with it. So it goes to the background. And that's also what we're doing with, with climate, uh, the climate crisis and, and, there's a there's a significant part of also so many people are in survival mode right that they're not able to really step too much out of that they're just trying to deal with what's right in front of them and the climate crisis is so existential although it's going to become less and less and less existential <laughs> but it it's it still just feels so big right? right that like what what could i do yeah. And and yet it is going to affect all of us and it is affecting all of us. So if we could take some time to look at dreams through that lens. Yep. Who knows? We might we might find answers to help us manage our grief. We might find answers to help us look at what we're facing in novel ways yeah it would be interesting to see what would happen if we took a group of people and had them do that for six months or something and see what kind of dreams and what kind of information they they received but yeah it's it's a background it's a constant background hum in our lives and it's got to be showing up in our dreams it's got to be Absolutely. I mean, you know, like like what you're saying around the dream be or the the crisis. You know, I mean, I I also think about you know how does these environmental changes of be manifested? There's the catastrophe of a flood or a hurricane. There's the slow change of the season so you can't plant or you plant late or your crops are screwed you know 
there are just so many variations and layers to what the crisis looks like. And for some people, it's right there in front. It's like, mm. you know, for those who, of us that live in worlds, uh, dare I say, Western civilization in some form, but maybe that's not even true anymore. Um, you know, those that live in African countries that are dealing with it now, where there's desert and they can't find water and they can't plant. I mean, there are some, again, we go back to what populations are being affected, but I, and I, I wonder how that does manifest in the dreams. And for me, this whole notion of dreaming back to the earth is about the personal healing and the healing or the, the awakening to our kinship with the land go hand in hand. So it's like, our dreams will come to us and you're so right. Like any dream can be worked or um, connected with related to what's happening on the land as well as our personal lives. Because I do believe that in order to work with our grief, to be with our grief, to find resilience around what's happening in the world and not be overwhelmed by it and taken out. We also have to do our personal work. You know, we also have to dive into what keeps us from all of that. And part of it is what's happening to us personally, with our families, with our work, with whatever, our ancestral trauma. And then the other part is with the land. So we've got to you know, how can we see the dream from both perspectives and work it in that way? Because they mirror each other brilliantly. Um, you know, and I'm thinking about like, you don't have to have a flood dream in order to talk about how water is affecting you. You know, you can find that in most any dream. Um, and how can the dream as a result of working with it um, or at least sitting with it, um, give us the insight and wisdom and tools to being able to build our resilience and um, find ways to manifest how we are going to negotiate what's happening in the world around us. Um, I, I think what you're saying is we are at a tipping point and we were probably at a tipping point. Uh, you know, I've worked with some eco psychologists and they're already saying that we've gone over the tipping point. You know, we're not going to go back to the way it used to be. Um, and I feel for those humans who are young, you know, and how are they going to manage? I mean, there are so many young people that are feeling depression and grief and suicidal and commit suicide, you know, and I wonder if that's related to also related to what's happening to the earth and how do how can our dreams how can their dreams be worked in a way that man helps them to manifest some resilience and healing around you know like how are we going to live in the future um how are they going to manage and negotiate the world around them because it's going to change um and i really do feel like our dreams can maybe not give us the exact answer, but can give us some guidance, some maybe a path to walk or a, or, um, a way of practicing um, imagery or you know, um, feelings and emotions that come up that can help us to at least feel some sense of quietness so that we're not filled with anxiety all the time. Um, I mean, I know I've had dreams that have been very clear about, okay, this is related to the climate. And then dreams that, mm -hmm, could that, you know, could I work that dream in that way? Um, yeah. I mean, at least having, at least experiencing the grief and even I have done that in a dream helps to remind me you know, like when you do have a dream about climate change, about something happening that's related to environmental climate, the, I believe the universe is saying, okay, there it is right there. You know, how are you going to be with it? You know, is it going to help you to change your mind about things or your practices? Or, um, And I feel like that's, you know, the universe is giving us information. We just got to listen.
our unconscious, our connection to the universal unconsciousness. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are, you know, some things that I've thought about related to the to the dream. But it, the dream is, has definitely helped me to experience my own grief around what's happening. What about you? Have you had any specific dreams that, or have you ever worked a dream around the crisis and and your grief? Or grief I want to say that I have, and I, I, you know, my my dreams that I've really connected and to this uh, topic are often around water and have had some really intense experiences in my life, in my waking life with water um, that I wrote about in a chapter in the, the rebirths book that Craig Chalquist edited. Um, gosh, I think it's been like 12 years ago now, um, I, I kind of from a parapsychological lens I had uh, a lot of hurricane dreams. Also, you know, of course, there was the major hurricane that had my name, um, <clears throat> and so I did. I did do some work around my dreams about hurricanes, uh, that hurricane in particular in New Orleans, and then also surviving uh, a tropical storm in Mexico, where I basically had to jump off of a a boat and swim to shore <laughs> like I was literally in the storm in the water um and I I wrote about you know all the all the various connections that I was making between those things I also uh remember in grad school I dreamed about I guess I, I don't know if I knew that it was like a poultry farm at the time, but I had this dream about like thousands of, of chicks dying. And I did not in the dream, I did not understand like why I was dreaming about that or what it was about. And then I read a story about a poultry farm in Russia, like either that day or the next day that had just killed off thousands of chicks and I don't remember the reason why that farm did that but it was like I was dreaming about that happening like I don't remember if they were doing it because something had changed with the climate and they weren't able to like feed them or care for them or you know like I don't remember the connections now I'd have to go back to my dream journal to to look at that but I've definitely so it's like okay was I was that a precognitive dream what you know did I know somehow that that was happening like I would never have sought out that news story but I somehow came across it right after having that dream it was you know it was one of those uncanny moments so just you know that says to me that all of us all the time are getting those kinds of dreams and you know I think it just takes tuning in to it to receive more of them you know when you were talking earlier i had about five million things <laughs> go through <laughs> my head but one one in particular was not in a savior way because i think that's gross but i but what responsibility do we have as white people to step up around this now what's interesting is that i think that the indigenous cultures have the knowledge about how to change our ways i don't think that it should be their responsibility to do that though right like white people in general are the ones who have screwed things up massively and in general it is the western governments that are causing the most damage like I'm I'm thinking you know as we've been talking about what's happening in Palestine right now and you know 
it's being flattened. Their farms are being flattened. The land is being completely destroyed. And, you know, our tax dollars are funding that right now, you know, so just thinking about how things that seem like they're happening far away are really like 100% interconnected. And our military is one of the biggest polluters of all in the whole world. And, uh, you know, each of us who pays taxes here is connected directly to that, right? So it's, I, I feel like there's some responsibility that we have and it, it goes back to us as white people being so disconnected from our indigenous roots. And I, I really feel like that's part of where everything started to go wrong is like when, when that connection started to be severed and we weren't so connected to any particular land or to the land in general anymore um, and started moving around and go, you know, like Britain colonizing all over the place. And, and uh, somehow I've always wondered if more white people were able to reconnect, were able to find uh, find a connection and find some value in that those indigenous ways of knowing if things would be different you know if if that could be a push in the right direction to where we're not operating in this manner anymore and yeah again I don't say that as like a you know, white people are going to save everything kind of nonsense. It's more that I feel like there's a responsibility to try to step into that again and listen to what indigenous cultures are saying, but do the work to make those changes rather than it be on other people's shoulders to do that, you know? And I, I, I think I, what you mentioned earlier about indigenous communities experiencing high levels of, of depression and anxiety. Um, you know, I think that there's a connection there for white people as well, that again, that background underlying our bodies know. And so I, I suspect that a significant amount of our depression and anxiety is also connected to that. Uh, and, and if you go back far enough, I, we're all carrying the grief of that, of having that connection to the land severed, you know, so very long ago. And um, what would it be like? What would it be like? You know, I think part of what I wonder about in terms of dream work is what would it be like if people were to connect the dots and work their dreams in this way? Would there be a, a change in enough people that people would start to say like enough is enough? You know, I think one of the only ways that we're going to make change is to stand up to these giant powers that are the ones who are making all these decisions like that a lot of us don't support right we don't we don't support uh having more fossil fuels in you know or or like the mining that's going on in africa like a lot of us look at that and are like no actually i don't support that and we what could be different how could we do this differently? There's got to be a way to do it differently. God, so much, so much to think about, so much to it's big. navigate. <laughs> you know, and I'm also, I mean, when you brought up like the the 
Middle East issue. And, and I'm thinking about Ukraine and um, all the other countries that are experiencing war of some sort. You know, I mean, you know, the other thing that happens is, you know, like, I mean, if we talk specifically about Israelis and Palestine, Palestinians that are dying, that are trying to just, I have a friend that's a dream worker that, that lives in West mm -hmm. Bank and she's Jewish and she's hiding all the time. How can she even find a way to reconnect with the land? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, you know, I mean, she's an amazing person and she's offering dream work art groups now. And she's, you know, she, that's what, what helps her to stay connected in, in a healthy way. You know, and I, it's like, we have been distracted. It's that we're easily are maybe the word distracted is, but I think we're, we're pulled away from the real crisis by having, by all these crises of war being put upon people and um and that that does take you away from the big issue of the planet you know while we're fighting each other we're not able to realize that our land is being destroyed and we won't be able to eat because we can't plant you know and we don't have any our sanctuaries are being taken away i mean ukraine is devastated you know the destruction there of homes and the land. And I mean, they're supposed to be one of the biggest um, suppliers of what is it? Wheat, wheat or raise. And, and that's not going to happen if the land is gone. So the, there are consequences to violence and war that I think people in positions of power don't really they only think about, we think about, and most people, I think, think about the immediate needs, my immediate needs, whether I'm in a high position or I'm an individual. Um, and we, we don't think about the future. I mean, I see that in the work that I do, I have done, I've seen that in all aspects of business. And we're, we're not always thinking about what will be lost and gained 20 years down the road, we're just thinking about what we need right in the moment. And in the moment, we take from everything and every. So, you know, again, I go back to how do our dreams reflect that, you know, and give us some information about what we are doing um, and help us to navigate all of that. Um, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying about what can we do and what can we do as white people and um, how can we develop our own practices that will contribute to peace and resilience and changing the direction, you know, of, of all that is happening around us. Um, it makes I mean, me I, think about... Oh, you, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, no, I'm, go ahead and yeah, finish. no, I was just, go for it, go for it. I, I've just been thinking about the idea that I've seen a lot um, going around on social media that's, I think people feel a lot of overwhelm right now. Yep. And, and have for a, right. quite a while now and have for quite a while. So people will often say, well, what can I do? And the thing is, you know, everybody has a role, right? There's there's mm -hmm. this kind of meme going around. It's like, you might not be the person who can be out at a protest getting arrested. You might not be the person who can be like Greta Thunberg and sit, you know, every week and then, you know, build a, a, a international movement. You might be the person. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would suspect that you might be, you might be the person who will dream on it and have information that you might be able to share with your local community or your friends and family, or you might get a dream that would lead to something bigger than that even. But there has always been a role for dreamers in any time period in any movement in any like I think one kind of famous example that we hear about a lot is Harriet Tubman 
had dreams about the routes that people could go on for the Underground Railroad to get to safety. Are we going to tell Harriet Tubman? Mm, right, 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 right. <laughs> You're exactly. a dreamer and that's just nonsense. Like, um, no, right. that was major. And so, you know, I guess I would pose to anybody listening who is feeling that overwhelm, perhaps that is your role is yeah. to pay attention to your dreams. And I think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of, um, you know, that there's that whole thing about like, oh, you're just a dreamer, got your head right. in the clouds or whatever. Yeah. It's like, actually, I bet you that some of the most amazing, influential things and and we we have so many examples we could cite right right from right. science to yep. like your tub into what i just mentioned you know of actual things that have moved the needle in many ways yep. so you know right i think there's some hope in that right. to know that there's there's multiple ways of coming at it and yep. And one of the best ways to manage grief is to be doing. Like, of course, there's the the sitting with it and feeling it, but also letting it move through you in some way to create, right? So an example in my own life is that I felt immense grief about the pandemic and, and how I've needed to navigate through it. And so I created a mutual aid group that's giving masks to people because there there had to be some way for me to move that energy and do something with it so that it wasn't just getting stuck in me. And I think, um, you know, potentially there could be ways for people to dream on all of this and see what comes to them and what they can do in their their life. Right. Right. I mean, you could go to bed with an intention to ask for guidance, yeah. you know, like write it on a piece of paper and put it under your pillow. Um, when my, you know, I mean, I know this is more individualized. When I, when my youngest sister died, I had so much what I wanted to say to her and so much grief around it and re regret. And I would go to bed and ask Becky to talk to her. And after a few months, I actually had a dream where I got to talk with her and we got to hug each other and tell each other that we love each other. Um, I, you know, I didn't expect that was going to happen. But, you know, now when my mom is is very sad and talking about her daughter, I'm like or needing something in her life. You know, I say, Mom, why don't you talk to Becky? You know, why don't you ask for a dream? Why don't you? And and I think the other thing that. Um, I've been writing about this regarding sacred conversations. You know, a lot of folks will want to do something happens, a challenge or a struggle, and they just reach out once. I believe that the effectiveness and the access that is possible needs to be driven by regular constant practice with doing something. So whether it's, you know, it's like, and, and I'll admit that I've done this in the past, I've asked for a dream, and then I've done nothing else, you know, this one night, I want a dream, and then I didn't get it, you know, and I'm like, what happened? I thought I was supposed to ask for a dream. Well, you gotta do it regularly, you got it's, it's, and we've talked about this before. It's also about being in relationship to the energy of the dream. And so if we want to change the direction or find ways of being be able to be resilient and navigate our grief and what's happening in the world, we've got to we've got to ask and we've got to have those sacred conversations on a regular basis. Not it's not a one time deal. This is going to be around for a while. And I will say it's amazing what happens when you do something on a regular basis. Um, and that there's a reciprocity around it. The land has given us so much and we are taking so much from it. It's like, how do we give back? Whether asking for the guidance of that in the dream or just doing something in waking life, 
you know, but the dream can give you some guidance if you ask for it. What is it that I need to give back? Um, we are nature. We are the land. It's all connected. We're all kinship with each other. And we all came from this earth and the universe around us. If you believe, I believe that, you know, and in every single religion, they talk about the earth as a sacred being. It's just that language and, and leadership sometimes within organizations changes that path. But there's some great books out there that talk about how all religions are connected to the land. So you can find a way through your own spiritual path. Um, but you got to do it on a regular basis if, if you do anything. So I think that's really important to changing and building um, the tools and resilience to the what is to working with the land um yeah i really believe that yeah i i i mean i can say for my own life that that's true and i remember when i was first learning about all of this stuff one of my mentors kimmy johnson was talking about you know asking the ancestors for a dream and Patience is a giant part of it. You have to have patience. Right. We live in such an instant culture now. Yeah. Anything right. we want is pretty much like at our fingertips in this, in the Western world anyway, you know, where we're living right now. And yeah. we've gotten so used to, you know, if we have a fair amount of privilege being able to have that and <clears throat> it just doesn't really actually work that way. Right. Right. Being able to have things instantly is so exploitative, right? Yep. Like the right. only reason we're right. able to have that is because someone or something is being exploited. So, yep. you know, patience is very uh, important and also the reciprocity. Um, I come, I come in and out of my ancestral practice, but I notice that when I am, being more intentional and and uh, giving space and asking not just so that I can get something, but asking so that I can be in relationship, that changes the dynamic and different right. things happen. Yeah. So thinking about it from that perspective, I think is important. Yeah. And yeah, um, you might have to put that note under your pillow Right, right for two weeks before yep. something happens you know right. it's not yeah and I've absolutely done it as well like yeah. I have a big problem that I'm facing and I really want an answer tonight and then I get frustrated that it didn't come like oh my yeah. gosh um things yeah. operate on a different timeline than my my life <laughs> right <laughs> you know? true. true so yeah yeah I you know we always we always end with a practice and I think yeah. that potentially that's where you were you were headed with yeah. that is that yeah you know what what to do with your grief around all of this is is to add one one thing to do is to ask and it, yeah. that ask I'll leave that as big and wide open as you want it right. to be it can be as narrow as you want it to be or it can be as big as you want it to be and right if you right. keep asking you will hear something eventually I really believe yep. that yeah. Yeah. All right. And I want to pull up, put a plug out. And I know we both have uh, studied Joanne Macy um, is just ama amazing. She's a philosopher and a Buddhist and has just done a lot of work around the reconnection of the human species to the land. And she talks about grief and how to work with grief. And I'm 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 curious about how that can be applied to dreams. I'm going to have to look at her work yeah, and see how that yeah. can be applied to dreams. Cause that would be pretty potent, but I, you know, I encourage yeah. people to read her work. Yeah. I'm just going to shout out some names of her books cause they're all really good. Yeah. I've read um, world as lover world as self. Um, I also have read active hope and the, mm -hmm. the subtitle of that book is how to face the mess we're in. 
it's about the ecological crisis. Um, and there are some really good practices and, and information. Um, and yeah, those are the two that I've read. She also wrote a book called Coming Back to Life, um, which originally was published in 1998, but it was updated in 2014. And her, um, her website has a lot of great information yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah, definitely plugging in to Joanna Macy's work is a really good yeah. avenue for yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I would I would add to that um, Robin Wall Kimmerer and mm-hmm. Braiding Sweetgrass yep. has been a right. big, big right. one for me, um, which they're even like, teaching it in schools some of my students yeah. in vermont have been reading the student oh, cool. version of that That's um, great. so yeah just if you have kids there is a, a youth version as well and it's fantastic and it, it talks a lot about this relationship you know yeah. and like that the earth is our kin and um all of the plants and animals are our kin and to start thinking about that yeah. relationship that is one way to to shift Right. How we're right. approaching things. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, have we come to the end of this podcast? I think so. I think we have. Yeah. Uh, there's always more to say, but yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I appreciate all of those of you who are listening to this podcast. It's a, it's a really special podcast for me and working with Katrina on this um it almost is like looking at our dreams in a different way that really contributes and this is our way of contributing to changing the perspective and the path around our relationship to the earth and that yeah. really means a lot to me so thank you for being with us yeah thank you all so much for listening yeah and if you have any questions we definitely have an email Dreaming back to the earth at gmail.com. Give us a ring um, and we will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank Thanks.